0: You're listening to the NewStack Makers, a podcast made for people who develop, deploy, and manage at scale software. For more conversations and articles, go to the newstack.io. All right, now on with the show. AWS. Since its inception, Amazon Web Services, AWS, has been the best place for customers to build and run open-source software in the cloud. AWS is proud to support open-source projects, foundations, and partners. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another on-the-road episode of the Newstack Makers. I'm your host, Heather Joslin of the Newstack, and we're coming to you from the floor of QCon plus CloudNativeCon. North America, here in Chicago, that toddling town. And today we're going to talk about, well, what else would you talk about at KubeCon? But Kubernetes, that little open source container orchestrator that could. And we're going to talk about specifically how Amazon Web Services, or AWS to its friends, has supported and invested in in Kubernetes and open source projects around Kubernetes. And we're going to talk about its work specifically on some related tools like Kubelet and Containerd, And we're going to learn what's new with Carpenter, with a K, a Kubernetes cluster autoscaler built with AWS. And for our discussion today, we're joined by two folks from AWS. First, Jonathan Innes. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, how's it going? Jonathan, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do at AWS. Yeah, so I'm a
1: software engineer on the EKS team at AWS and maintainer in the Carpenter project. Yeah,
2: super excited to be here.
0: Excellent. And uh, we're also joined by Todd Neal. Hi, Todd. Hey, how are you doing? Todd, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at AWS.
2: Yeah, sure. So, I've been at AWS for about two years. I've worked on the Carpenter project, also do some upstream work in a SIG node, and then just general work in EKS computer work.
0: Great. Before we begin, I just want to thank AWS for sponsoring this conversation, and let's get going. So, uh, let's give a little bit of background. A year ago, my TNS colleague, Job Jackson, spoke to Jay Pipes, who was then your colleague at AWS. Jay said that at the time, Amazon was working on a mirror of the Kubernetes assets that are hosted on the Google Cloud Platform in order to eliminate Google egress costs, which usually are borne by the CNCF. Can you update us on that situation and how Amazon is investing in, in, yeah. that, in the yes, Kubernetes project more generally?
2: Yeah, so it started last year at KubeCon North America. At that point, AWS announced that they were donating $3 million in cloud credits to the mm-hmm. CNCF. And then there was a uh, project that was stood up by Sidcate's Infra. So one of my colleagues, Dims, is one of the co-chairs of Sidcate's Infra, and they mm-hmm. stood up the registry, registry.kates.io. So that registry basically looks at where the requests for images is coming from and then redirects it to the cloud provider that is sort of closest to that location. So if you're coming from the Google Cloud, you'll actually be pulling images from Google servers. If you're coming from AWS Cloud, you'll be pulling images from S3 directly. So that way you can avoid the egress costs and it basically, it can be expanded to future cloud providers if they want to get interested. And that is sort of a good way to reduce that egress cost. In addition, there's like a large community effort to once that registry was stood up to basically go update all of the documentation, all the repositories and point all of the Kubernetes users to this new registry so that they'll actually start pulling images from this new location. That basically everyone in the community was involved. There were notifications everywhere all over the Kubernetes site trying to get people to use this new registry. And then sort of most recently in June, Amazon Elastic Container Registry added a new feature to act as a pull through pull-through cache for registry.cates.io to sort of further reduce the egress cost. And then the requests don't even get to registry.kates.io. They'll, they'll be cached and served directly from the ECR. Great.
0: So that, so that project has gone quite a ways in the last year.
2: Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. Basically from, uh, from sort of announced to uh, full production and the old registry being deprecated. And yeah, it's greatly reduced the costs that were being borne by Google. And people are pulling from it sort of as we speak.
0: It's great. It's great. I mentioned a couple of open source projects in, in my introduction. We talked about mentioned Kubelet, which is the primary node agent that runs on each node in a Kubernetes cluster, if I have that right. Mm-hmm. And Containerd, which manages the container runtime. How has AWS been involved in each of these projects?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Kubelet is the, you know, the primary node agent for Kubernetes. It's running on you know, every Kubernetes node out there. So we, in AWS, we contribute to Kubelet by doing things by deflaking tests. We've done some work to make it, basically extend the to end tests to run on uh, Amazon Clouds using up some of those uh, cloud credits that were donated last year, and in particular working on like the ARM 64 tests, ensuring that it works there and is tested there. I've contributed some work myself to the sidecar feature, which is coming out in beta in uh, 129. I'll be speaking about that tomorrow with uh, one of my sort of colleagues, uh, Sergey Kanzela uh, from Google, who also uh, did some of the work there. And in Container D, so first off, I have to mention Phil Estes, who's an AWS Principal Engineer. He does an awful lot of work for Container D. He's a maintainer there. He's all over the repository, reviewing, mentoring, just sort of helping to lead that effort on Container D.
0: It sounds like there's a real community kind of spirit in, the, in this.
2: Yeah, you yeah, have people from different companies, different organizations, students. Everyone just sort of you know pitching in as a community to to just sort of move these projects along. Yeah.
0: You look like you were gonna. You want to say something.
2: No, no, nothing specific. I was. <laughs> okay. I
0: was
1: just thinking. There's Dims joined our team. I'm trying to think how long ago that was at this point. Yeah, yeah almost two years. Almost. This... Yeah, and I think since mm-hmm. Dims has, has joined AWS, it's been there's been a big push and and kind of a kind of an initiative around like really pushing people to be more active in, in the open source community and yeah. contribute a lot more to these projects and I think that's really we're seeing a lot of change happen recently over that so it's been it's been really exciting
0: cool is there anything new going on in those projects kubelet and container that you want to highlight for, mm-hmm. for our, maybe ask if there's specific parts of the, that project you, you might want to ask for contributions ask our audience for contributions to
2: oh yeah so for Kubelet, which is part of the SigNode project, if you're interested in contributing, there are uh, working groups, uh, particularly the SigNode CI group, where we go over test failures and try to deflake tests and just sort of improve reliability of Kubelet. If you're a user and just want to remain a user, the sidecar feature is brand new and 129 will be enabled by default, so you can use sidecar, so I encourage everyone to use that, provide us feedback. As it goes to GA, if the feature may evolve some, so really interested in sort of how they may want changes, particularly in like a container termination order. So uh, container D, it's actually just released a 2.0 uh, pre-release. It's quickly approaching the 2.0 milestone, so congratulations to that team as they're sort of approaching that large milestone there. But yeah, really happy to have all the community working together on these two projects. And uh, yeah,
0: A couple of years ago, Carpenter was introduced by AWS. So what is Carpenter, Jonathan?
1: Yeah, so Carpenter is Kubernetes node autoscaler. So I'd assume maybe some people are familiar with the cluster autoscaler. Mm-hmm. Carpenter was kind of Born out of, I guess, some customer headaches with some of the details of the cluster autoscaler. So the cluster autoscaler is kind of designed more for hands off a lot of the, I guess, group management of nodes off to a bunch of, like, the cloud provider specific APIs. So there's a bunch of cloud providers that are implemented with cluster autoscaler, and and you can kind of there's a plug and play aspect to it where it will it'll scale up nodes that based on the the groups that you have in those in the in the different cloud provider APIs. The problem that that came out of that kind of configuration was basically customers had to create a lot of different groups and for a lot of the different instance types. And for AWS specifically, like we have over 700 instance types. And so customers want a lot of flexibility with which instance types they pick based on the workloads that they specify. And so what we're seeing a lot from customers is, you know, I have to create a managed node group per instance type and maybe per AZ as well, which is a lot of management for anyone to have to do. So that's kind of what Carpenter was born out of. So Carpenter looks at the pending pods similar to, to cluster autoscaler. It looks at your pinning pods and your applications that it's going to launch and then it, it there's kind of the concept of, we call it a node pool, but it's, a, it's kind of like a flexible node group in a way. So you can, you can kind of specify requirements on your node pool and we'll dynamically pick the instance type that we'll launch it in. And we'll also pick the, dynamically pick the AZ that we'll launch it in without you really ha- having to do a whole lot of configuration. So You can, you can specify some details like, like taints and some different things that you, qubit configuration that would, you'd specify on the node, the image that it will launch with. But for the most part, like, it's really minimal configuration. So you just come there, you say, you know, you could have as, as little as one node pool, you just apply a node pool to a cluster and then you start deploying applications and if they go pending and they don't schedule to existing nodes, Carpenter will look at all your requirements and, and pick, the, pick the instance types that, that would best fit those applications. And then kind of on top of that, we've not just built like a node cluster auto-scaling solution, but we built kind of a node lifecycle management solution. So we have we have deep integration with the cloud providers that we currently support. So currently, right now, we. Obviously, AWS supports Carpenter. And then just on, I guess yesterday, Azure announced their version, their cloud provider support for Carpenter. So now you can, you can oh. run Carpenter on Azure as well, which is which we're super excited about. And so we have like deep integration with those cloud provider APIs, a little bit deeper than Cluster Autoscaler. And so what that means is that we can do a lot more node lifecycle management. So for instance, we manage node upgrades, which is typically handed off to the cloud provider. Because we can manage node upgrades and we have some intelligence about that, <laughs> we can be smart about how we choose to disrupt nodes at certain times. Times, and we have some configuration that you can manage to be able to, to determine like, when you want those things to happen. Todd, for instance, was really pivotal in developing the consolidation feature, mm-hmm. which is a mechanism by which we, you know, do cost savings for our customers. And customers have absolutely loved that since we implemented it. It was a big win when we supported scaling up with Carpenter and being able to dynamically select from those 700 instance types on AWS. But yeah. customers have also been really excited to be able to enable like enable the flag that enables consolidation. Yeah. And they see, like, Thirty percent, forty percent cost savings across the board, which uh-huh. is which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: In these days where you're hearing the word FinOps so uh-huh. much at this at this particular conference, and so many organizations are concerned about their bottom line these days, so obviously that's that's a big yeah. that's a big win for for anyone who's using it. Is there anything on the on the roadmap right now, and for either for Carpenter for for Container D for people that you look for looking? Uh, yeah, I can, I
1: can touch on Carpenter real quick. So. The cloud provider support, multiple cloud provider support has been on our roadmap for a while. We've been working hard with, with Azure on that, trying to push and we're, and we're still trying to push for other cloud providers to implement uh, the Carpenter cloud provider interface as well so that we can start supporting more and more clouds. Mm-hmm. So now we're at two, but we're like quickly trying to, to move towards other clouds. And there's been, there's been a little bit of a murmur in the issues on you know, Oracle or GCP, and mm-hmm. we're, we're still looking for contributors to be able to, to mm-hmm. support those other clouds. We are actively, and we've been in the process for about six to eight months now, working with SEG Autoscaling on Mm -hmm. donating the Carpenter Core project, which is kind of like the core libraries that the Carpenter cloud providers rely on. Mm -hmm. Donating that to SEG Autoscaling and donating that effectively to the CNCF. And that is like... Impending, like very quickly, so which we're super excited about. So we got we got formal approval from the co-chairs of Sigato Scaling to be donated to the upstream Kubernetes project, and so now all that's left is all the detail of like moving the repos and things like that. But that's super exciting. We hear a lot from customers that they're looking for kind of that that agnosticism and like the support in the in the community, and so mm-hmm. that's been that's been really exciting to see happen. We just released beta, I guess, two weeks ago now, which was a huge milestone for the project. We're kind of quickly heading towards stabilization, so V1 is also impending. Like we really want to get to stable APIs, and so and customers are wanting that and asking for that, and so that's on a roadmap, happening, you know, relatively soon. So we're, we're pushing hard for that. Yeah, we're just we're really excited. There's a ton of ton of excitement and development going on in the project right now, and it's it's really exciting
0: great is there anything else new that AWS is involved with with regard to kubernetes and other open source projects that you that you might only mention or do we feel like We've covered that
2: right now. So we did recently announce our uh, AWS extended support for Kubernetes. So uh, extended support for clusters. It's in preview now. Uh, that will allow some customers to re- remain on a version for a longer period of time, sort of push out those cluster upgrades. So it's in preview now. And customers can go check that out. That's a new feature. And
0: they can. And they should go. Where should they go to check that
2: out? So we have, I believe, an AWS blog article that sort of explains it. And yeah, we yeah, be glad to make the link available for anyone that's interested.
0: Yeah. Well, and we'll link to that you can tell me a little bit about working in open source at AWS, like what kind of, how does the culture sort of support that, that work at AWS? Or how yep. do they support you in that, in that work?
2: Yeah, so it's pretty it's just part of your task. We work on lots of different things, and then open source is one of them. And so when there are, there are areas that, you know, we can make contributions upstream and sort of help out the community, uh, we strive to do that. So like in particular, we've worked to get some of our internal patches to some of the Kubernetes components pushed back upstream so that the entire community can contribute. We have another software engineer named Igor that's been involved in some of the cell work for validation, trying to make webhooks safer. So yeah, just sort of all over anywhere that we can make a contribution upstream that can sort of help the community out, help help out users across the CNCF. Yeah, we're sort of more than glad to do that. And, and yeah, that's what we try to work on. Not much to add, honestly. That's <laughs> that a
0: pretty good answer. <laughs> Not much to add. Well, tell me a little bit about like your your own experience with, with open source. Have you always been involved in open source or is it part of, part of your formation as you know professionals?
1: Yeah, so I think we were briefly talking about this ahead of this conversation, but this is my first coupon, and I was involved in open source for a little while, so I I have been at AWS for a little over a year, and before that I was mm-hmm. I was at Microsoft Azure, and at Azure I was working with Flux and A lot of people know about that project, and that's an open source project by WeaveWorks. And yeah, just communities in general around open source projects, I mean, it's it's really great to finally see some of these people that I've worked with for a while in person and see how supportive the community is. I think everyone is really, particularly in the Kubernetes community, is really really open to new contributors and really open to people just coming in and feeling supported. And I think we really want to foster that community at AWS as well. And then I think also it's really a huge deal when it comes to just multiplying the ability of other projects to like move faster, really, because yeah. we can leverage a lot. I mean, we, we have a lot of dependencies on other open source projects, most most of them being like control runtime and upstream Kubernetes, and a lot of those were hours and hours of other contributors really putting in work to, to make the Kubernetes experience and building on top of Kubernetes easier and it's really made it i mean really easy for you know us to create things like carpenter where we can we can have a stable autoscaling project that is is you know relatively easy to build and maintain and i think a lot of that is i mean if we had to do it ourselves it would be it would be a lot harder to maintain we need yeah. a lot more people to do it we move much much slower yeah. so it's been really great
0: what about yourself how did you yeah, achieve- so
2: i guess some- First major contributions, I worked on the Go compiler back in the 1.7 days, and that was, I spent quite a bit of time there, and that kind of really got me introduced to the Go language and using it a lot, and then that was kind of how I transitioned to Kubernetes, because a lot of Kubernetes components are written in Go. When I came to AWS, the first thing I worked on was Carpenter, which is Mm. built in the open source. Mm. And sort of the nice thing about building out in the open is that you get that community feedback immediately. We can put up design docs and get community members to comment and say, you know, even not contributing code, they're like, hey, this feature doesn't work for me, or I need this feature to be changed slightly, or I need a brand new feature, Mm. and that, that sort of rapid cycle of feedback to, hey, we're writing code, can you try this out? Does it, fo- Does it solve your problem? Yeah. And that's just that, it's really sort of just a great development model for, for building software.
0: It's kind of like, it kind of mimics also, I would think, the feedback loop that businesses want, you know, with customers, you know, like to...
1: That's that's rapid, been a yeah, it's been a big feedback, win for rap, us with, with Carpenter because iteration. it's yeah. it's allowed us to that's why we've been in Alpha for so long. Like yeah. it's really allowed us to get a lot of feedback from from customers and users and understand their use cases a little bit better so that we don't because we don't want to stabilize our APIs too quickly and then we can't change them. So <laughs> it's given us a lot of, you know, time to be able to get feedback from customers and understand exactly, you know, what they need, what they want, and build it and then see if it works for them and if it doesn't work for them then we hear about it real fast and then we fix <laughs> it and Keep iterating, yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to, to wrap it up. So I just want to thank our guests today, Jonathan Innes and Todd Neal of AWS. Thanks, gentlemen, for you. joining Thank us. you, yeah. And we want to thank AWS for sponsoring today's conversation, and we want to thank all of you. This has been Heather Joslin for the new stack, coming to you from the very noisy and lively floor at QCon, plus Cloud Native Con, North America and Chicago. And we'll see you next time. AWS. Since its inception, Amazon Web Services, AWS, has been the best place for customers to build and run open source software in the cloud. AWS is proud to support open source projects, foundations, and partners. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's one of the best ways you can help us grow this community, and we really appreciate your feedback you can find the full video version of this episode on YouTube. Search for the new stack and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss any new videos. Thanks for joining us and
2: see you soon.